this week on Millennial. On TikTok, it doesn't feel nearly as intimate as when you get DMs or when you post on stories and you ask for questions or you ask for feedback or you take a poll, like you interact with your audience over there. And it really feels like the place where I talk to my audience the most. I mean, on TikTok, I feel like I don't talk to anyone. I mean, I respond to comments, but it's all randoms because it's projecting you to new people. Mine had the test. I was just opened it and it was all dark and TikTok-y. And- dark and TikTok-y. Ooh, what a terrible <laughs> place to be. I don't see any suggested posts because I turn it off. Wait, turn it off how? You mean... Yeah, how do you turn that off? You mute it for 30 days and then you just do it again when 30 days are up. I didn't even know you could do this. Wait, hold on. I didn't know that either. This is life-changing. <laughs> I'm seeing this. Snooze all suggested <laughs> posts and feed for 30 days. Boom. Yeah. Done. It's amazing. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. This week, the real talk is all about social media. I'm Andrew. And I'm Pamela. Pam, we have two friends with us today. We do. I'm so excited to have them on. Yeah. First of all, our social media manager, Chloe, is back. Welcome back, Chloe. Hi, friends. Thanks for having me. Pulling the double duty this week. I'm officially designating you Laura's substitute. Hell yeah. <laughs> you, you were on Michael Cast this week too. <laughs> no, it was so much fun. You're a natural on these shows, so I'm so glad that we have you here to uh, fill in when we need a guest. I'm blushing. But also today, somebody brand new to being on the show, but actually a listener of Millennial and MuggleCast herself, Christine Riccio. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's so weird because sometimes I talk back to you guys (laughs) uh, while I'm listening, and now you'll actually be able to hear me. Yes. (laughs) I know. See, this is why I can't listen to like any shows that my friends do, because I'll listen to podcasts when I'm walking my dog. And then I just start talking back to myself. I do the same thing. I do the same (laughs) thing. So my neighbors think I'm crazy. It's fine. It's totally normal. (laughs) You know what? Lean into it. It's like when I'm like out in public listening to a podcast and I just start laughing out loud. I used to be like, oh, this people must think that this looks weird. But now I just don't care. Like, whatever. It's so normal nowadays. I just embrace that. On the treadmill, too. Like, if you're at the gym, (laughs) just, like, laughing on the treadmill. Or on a plane. Like, it's always happening on a plane. I'm always reading a book that, like, makes me cry hysterically on a plane. And I'm just... Sometimes I'm (laughs) writing on the plane, too. And you always know when people are, like, looking over your shoulders, see what you're writing. You're just like, please leave me alone. (laughs) You're reading smut and they're looking at you. Well, (laughs) that I could do with a straight face on public transportation, you know, because I'm an old pro. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Editing on a plane, though, like when you're editing a video on a plane and you're just like editing your face for hours and yeah. the next person's looking, it's like, oh, I just I have to do this for work. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at me. I'm spying on everybody on the plane. I don't care. You I'm would. bored. I'm I not need... even surprised. Nosy yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> I'm looking at their emails. I'm looking at their texts. And I mean, look, everybody's doing it. Whatever. Unsurprising from the man who has admitted to putting his ear up to the 
chore at the hotel. <laughs> I think it's so awkward to watch like sexy movies in planes. Like anytime like a sexy scene comes up and you're just like, oh God, like you want to yeah. watch, but you're like, no. Or I've been like playing on hinge on a plane too. And that's always oh. embarrassing. I'm like, wait, what am I doing? What if, what if the person's like across from you? Maybe you could turn to your neighbor and ask, be like, what do you think about this guy? I would do that. <laughs> I would totally do that. Oh my God, never. I have a hood on. So Christine is the author of the YA novel, Again But Better, and another novel, Better Together, both have been published in recent years. You're also a YouTuber. You're an Instagrammer. You're a TikToker. You're everywhere. I didn't even know how to introduce <laughs> you. You just like do everything and there's unique content on everything, it seems like. So what do you? how do you tell people what you do? You're an author, yes, but then- I'm an author, but like I'm definitely like a YouTube ancient now. I <laughs> I call myself an ancient because I've been on it since 2010, like making content regularly, and I was doing it as a job since 2014. So I am old in internet years. Yeah, and we are ancient podcasters, so we definitely <laughs> yes, understand yeah. that. Yes, and I am the same wavelength there. But yeah, I write books, dying on the hill, that you're still a young adult in your early 20s. I turned 32 years ago and I was, oh my God, can I not call myself a young adult anymore? And <laughs> I've had this crisis in the last two years about it because uh, now we're just adults. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Are we not young adults anymore? I consider myself a young adult still. No, you're still young. I feel like on one half of 50, you're like allowed to be a young adult, right? Okay, cool. So we still have a while to go. Yeah. So my books, like the characters are, you know, going through like existential crisis when you're, you know, when you get out of college or like the finding yourself in your early 20s when you're still in college and all that. And my next book, like the lead character is 23 and I like, can't say it because it's too old to be young adult, but I want her to be that age. I actually have a question for you. What 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 constitutes the difference between young adult and new adult? Because I don't think it's just like sex scenes right no i mean honestly have you read sarah j mass yes and i'm shocked that she was a young adult for the longest time because she really should have been you know not there yes but i loved it like <laughs> of course the voiciness of a book kind of used to constitute it as young adult and how fast things happen now that all romance novels are very voicey so i have more and more kind of pushed against that idea that it has to be I don't know, more sophisticated to be considered adult because I like novels that are very voicey and in your head and all that stuff. Um, and it's the age of the characters. So like technically they want it to be 18, but more and more, I think the audience of YA wants stuff in your early 20s. That's what I was looking for when I was reading YA. And that's why I was like, that's my character has to be 20. I'm not going any younger because that's missing from this area of the bookstore. That's my like writing section. YouTube, I do I do book content and I did comedy content and writing content. Your work and Chloe's work is exactly why we wanted to have both of you on today because there's been a lot of developments with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok in recent weeks. I've been chomping at the bit to discuss this, but we <laughs> wanted to wait to have you two on. So now we're going to do it. And then in addition to talking about these changes, we're going to be talking about 
how they affect creators and social media managers and the average user. So that's really the focus of today's episode, just to catch everybody up. In recent months, Instagram users have become increasingly aggravated at changes that they've been making to the feed. There's been less and less of your friends, more and more ads, more we think you'd like type posts, suggested posts that are decided by the algorithm, and worst of all, way too much video. And Instagram was also testing a new version of the feed in which each photo would be full screen as you scrolled. And the people who were in this test absolutely hated it. (laughs) All of this is coming as Instagram is trying to compete with TikTok's ever-growing place in pop culture. They are clearly dominant right now. Everybody talks about TikToks. Nobody's talking about Instagram Reels. Instagram is like, oh, crap, we're in trouble. We're going to be as irrelevant as Facebook is looking. Oh, and by the way, Instagram is owned by Facebook. So it's a big problem. But of course, this is nothing new, right, Chloe? I mean, they've been copying each other forever. And we've brought it up on the show. It's disgusting. Well, okay. I'm going to push back on the disgusting thing because I think that like it makes total sense that social media apps are all copying each other. I mean, Facebook copied MySpace. Like, if you want to go all the way back, (laughs) you know what I mean? But Instagram has basically become a culmination of all the other apps. I think it's probably the worst offender, right? It's taken stories from Snapchat. Now it's taken reels from TikTok. And they just desperately are trying to be the one-stop shop. And I think people are not talking about that enough. They want people to like stay on Instagram and get everything that they would get on the other apps on Instagram. Um, But I mean, all of these apps do it. Twitter copied Clubhouse. If y'all remember that really short lived, really popular app. Um, Twitter did it with spaces. You know, it, it keeps going. Discord did it. Spotify Mm -hmm. did it. They're all taking each other's features. And that's why I think it's disgusting. It's just like these people at these social media companies, they're paid huge bucks. And what do they do? They just rip each other off. It's lazy. (laughs) Like, I get it. But I'm just so disappointed that these apps aren't trying to be their own thing. Well, I also just think it, it does not help to push the narrative that you're suggesting based on the fact that we tend to adapt based on what we're given. So if everybody decided never to post reels on Instagram, and there's more to that specifically, like um, if you're looking to like make money, for example, it's much more lucrative to go and do reels on Instagram, even if you're just like uploading a TikTok on there because the payout is a little bit better. But the point is, is that we, we, none of us decide collectively to just like not use these things we all just do it sure so if we're still if we're doing that then of course they're going to keep um reinventing the wheel so to speak i was so happy when instagram adopted stories from snapchat because i really didn't like snapchat (laughs) (laughs) so valid i was like now it's all in one place it's really easy well we for i think a lot of people forget that (laughs) instagram stories were like People were like, oh, why are they doing this? We kind of had a similar sentiment to like, oh, they're copying. But now we kind of love them and people are really into Instagram stories. I was cheering for them to murder Snapchat. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Snapchat is still very popular. Is it the biggest social media network? No, but people like that it's private, which Instagram, sure, you can DM people images, but it's just way easier to do it in Snapchat, partly because when you open the app, it opens straight to the camera. That's a huge difference that Instagram has yet to copy. All these changes that Instagram has been making came to a head a few weeks ago when the Kardashians reshared posts that begged the app to, quote, make Instagram 
Instagram again. While most people who saw the post by the Kardashians would agree with the simple statement in light of all the recent changes, the Kardashians had bigger reasons to beg Instagram to revert all the changes. A large part of their social media income, and maybe income outside of social media, depends on all of their followers seeing these posts. And if Instagram is making constant changes to the algorithm, it's hard to guarantee that a certain number of people are going to be seeing their posts. So while the Kardashian posts, a lot of people would agree with it, I would just encourage everybody to not think that, you know, Kim and Kylie and whoever else <laughs> shared it were just like, oh, I just miss seeing all the pictures. No, they don't give a shit. No. But they did make them change it back. So right. yes, it did work. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Mine had the test. Like, mine <gasps> no. switched completely. I gasped so loud and, like, <laughs> yelled no. It was at Comic-Con when I was posting all sorts of stuff. And I was just opened and it was all dark and TikTok-y. And dark and TikTok-y. Was, Ooh, what a terrible me. place to be. Just imagining you thinking you had opened the wrong app. Like, I had to open Instagram. What happened? Oh, shit. Because you couldn't, like, see a feed. It was just one thing at a time. Wow. Yeah. Not no, thank cool. you. No, thank you. <laughs> no. It did change back. And I was like, <sighs> yeah, well, even Instagram admitted people started using the app less if they were in that test. So we knew we had to get rid of it. Like they really screwed that one up. But this hurts more than just the Kardashians. Right, Chloe? It barely hurts the Kardashians. Like they <laughs> <True>. like, <laughs> come on, they they all have their own businesses. And like social media definitely launched all of their businesses and their careers. Like I will absolutely credit. They don't necessarily need it anymore. Like they're not. Most of them aren't posting like green tea, like that tummy thing that they used to do. Do you guys remember that? Dark times. Dark times. (laughs) But literally, like it hurts little people and small creators much more than it hurts the Kardashians. And honestly, Instagram has shifted so that they are catering to influencers now more than they are catering to actual small accounts and people that want to use Instagram for their friends. So... Now that the algorithm is leaning towards videos and towards reels and showing you suggested content, really it's so hard for smaller accounts to grow or for smaller accounts to get engagement because influencers are going to be at the top of your feed. Now Instagram has that shopping. um, Have you all seen that? That like shopping shopping feature. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which influencers love and have been using. Um, And it's no longer become a photo sharing app, which is like why people joined, right? Yeah. It's kind of become almost like a marketplace slash TikTok slash (laughs) you're going to like get ads all the time. It's really honestly become damaging for Instagram. And there's even talk right now, like, is Instagram dead? Have y'all seen that? Like, it's wild as a content creator. I think you have to ask that because TikTok is so hot right now. This is just how it works. One one day, you're MySpace, you're on top of the world. The next, you're completely <laughs> irrelevant. You're MySpace, Tom, you're out on the street. I don't think Instagram's there yet. <laughs> no, not yet. No, not yet. But I'm saying this is the cycle we keep seeing over and over again. Instagram has held on for a long time, too. It's been the most popular 
social media app. And it still is for millennials. And admittedly, without adding stories, without adding reels, they would continue to fall behind, but they are kind of staying afloat. So that is true. But I just feel like it's inevitable that one day Instagram will be irrelevant, just like MySpace is, just like Facebook has been trending towards, and just like Snapchat. You know, it's popular, but it's not the app anymore. Social media goes in waves, though, right? Like, we'll even actually, I mean, Andrew's never experienced this because he's lived on Twitter since what, 2007 when it came out? Seven, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Twitter took a huge dip for a while. Twitter is now cool again, and people are on it, and Gen Z has embraced the bird app. But there was like five years where it really was like plateaued and not a lot of new people were joining. And it was and that's when it has shifted actually to become like way more of like a news thought leadership platform. But, you know, like Twitter's now on the up again. And that happens. Snapchat's had its moments as well. But Facebook and Instagram, yeah, are definitely in trouble right now. Instagram is like the last frontier, though, where you're kind of communicating with your audience all the time. I mean, on TikTok, it doesn't feel nearly as intimate as when you get DMs or when you post on stories and you ask for questions or you ask for feedback or you take a poll, like you interact with your audience over there. And it really feels like the place where I talk to my audience the most. I mean, on TikTok, I feel like I don't talk to anyone. (laughs) I mean, I respond to comments, but it's all randoms because it's projecting you to new people. That's really interesting. That's such a good point. Yeah, because you kind of go to TikTok just to see it. it's okay if it's people you never heard of before, because that's kind of like the point of TikTok. It's the norm the, there. The, the discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is a really good observation, Christine. I've definitely felt that way, too. I don't use TikTok a ton, but I do get a sense of community over on Instagram. Like Chloe always does a great job of interacting with our listeners through the DMs. Yeah, that's like actually the whole point. I do social media consulting. And when I'm telling influencers that I work with and brands that I work with now, I'm telling them to build a social media community. I'm actually using that language because the algorithm has changed so much and it is hard to grow. And it's way more about like keeping the people that already follow you engaged in what you're doing. So yeah, I'm answering every DM. I'm responding to most comments. Um, you know, I'm responding to stories. I'm creating interactive stuff because I want people to know that they have like an outlet to us. And that's what Instagram is still. And it's a powerful app because of that. Yeah, that's where I get the most messages from readers and they'll send me like in-depth letters and such. And I mean, you get comments on, again, other platforms, but it's not the same thing. And uh, I mean, Instagram, I've been constantly trying to figure out what it likes so that it keeps pushing myself <laughs> right. to the people who follow me. Like They love when you use their little gizmos and gadgets yep. um, and <laughs> answer every single comment. I'm trying to figure out like the posting that they like, though. There was a time when they liked when you posted like three times a day. Remember when every celebrity was posting just three mm-hmm. like variations mm-hmm. of the same picture all the time? It has changed <laughs> so much. Like, but I will say like my really strong stance is like I would like us to bring back 2016 Instagram specifically. Yes. Right? <laughs> like that is the one. I love I- 2016 Instagram. <laughs> yeah, photos, 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 photos. That's really... Stories were there too, yeah. We've said this on the show over the years. Instagram felt like a happy place. You mm. see photos of your friends. And now I'm not a video person on social media apps. I've never liked watching videos. I like 
listening to music, watching TV, you know, being out on the street, just walking around and quickly flicking through photos. Video requires you to stop what you're doing and focus on that video. And I hate it for that reason. I don't even like when people send me videos. I literally put in the doc, Andrew is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And just for that note, I did not send you a TikTok that I saw today and thought of you immediately when I saw it. So (laughs) I send him anyway, Pam. Don't send me video. Fuck it, send him anyway. But I'm just like, you know, I'm withholding the gold (laughs) out of spite. I have to like clear time in my day to watch TikToks. Send them to me, Pam, and be like, doesn't this make you think of Andrew? Screw him. We won't send it. (laughs) I should just start tweeting them. Like, I'll just have like a Twitter thread and be like, hey, millennial listeners, doesn't this make you think of Andrew? TikToks that Andrew won't watch and then just have a thread. And then I'll get to that thread whenever I'm bored. But like people send me in the middle of the day a TikTok and I'm like, I'm editing. I have to stop my editing flow. And you don't need to stop right then, Andrew. You can look at you it can later. Look at but it then later. I'll forget. I'll fr- what I gotta mark the messages on red or Just I'm gonna don't forget. And then it. don't open your text oh messages. Oh my god. Okay. Don't open the, then the notifications there. Right, for later. He's making it so effing complicated. The drama. The drama of not watching a video. It's all right. Let me think about all this maybe i can evolve <laughs> on this matter uh, i'm a hypocrite though because i'll send pat i'll load him up with like five tiktoks in his iMessage thread you're already watching so tiktoks what? shut up i'm gonna start sending pat tiktoks love him yeah please he can be my tiktok assistant he can like vet every tiktok like is this worth andrew's time is this worth andrew's time oh my god they're so short <laughs> except when they're not Anyway, Meta, who owns Facebook and Instagram, they were initially resisting the calls to, quote, keep Instagram, Instagram, or make Instagram, Instagram again. (laughs) Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Instagram head Adam Mosseri even doubled down on the recent changes they've been making, saying that more video and suggested posts would be coming. Zuckerberg Zuckerberg said that recommended posts and accounts in feeds currently account for about 15% of what you see when you browse Facebook and an even higher percentage on Instagram. By the end of 2023, that figure will be around 30%. So while they they initially resisted calls for changes and promised that they're actually going to give us more of what we don't like, but after a few more days of continued pressure, they did backtrack for now, for now, the full screen test was shut down. Christine was very happy about that. <laughs> and the number of videos and related, related posts was promised to be wound back. But again, for now, because they still are fighting with TikTok and they got to figure this out. So they're going to get back up to that 30% stat at some point. The way they fight TikTok, though, is by going back to what they were a few years ago. Because that's what people yeah. want. We want like this vintage Instagram, right? But it's true. Like that's how they fight it. They make Instagram what it originally was, allow TikTok to continue to be what it is and have it totally be separate apps. Like, I don't know why Instagram is desperately trying to be the trendsetter that TikTok is because they're never going to be and there's no way for them to be on that platform. So just allow what worked before to happen again. To that point, I do think that the fear is aging out of new subscribers, because I think we covered a story about how Facebook was doing everything it could to entice 
uh, younger generations to sign on to its platform because millennials were leaving and they weren't seeing a growth in Gen Z wanting to use their platform. So if Gen Z is not flocking to Instagram like they were before, then they have a huge problem because now they're not only looking at Gen Z, but they're also keeping an eye on Gen Alpha and trying to see if they can romantize romance them into coming over, right? And if it just kind of like dies with one generation, then that's going to be it. Never heard anyone say Gen Alpha. <laughs> that's the next yeah, one, right, Chloe? Yeah. Okay. That was new to me too. <laughs> okay. I, I Did I get it right though? Because yeah. now I'm like second like guessing. Okay. six, seven. I think the <laughs> oldest Gen Alphas are like six or seven. Right. But that's why you see things like, like t- uh, Instagram being like, oh, we're going to launch Instagram Kids because they're already <laughs> oh, trying yeah. to indoctrinate them what? into the platform. Right. Well, there's already a Facebook Messenger kids. Right. Well, I think it's smart because those kids are already on the apps. You're not going to stop them from going on them. So you might as well make it at least a safer place. Like, yeah, I was exposed to the Internet. I would I don't want to see the dark web, but like maybe the gray web. Like I was reading like smutty fan fiction at 11, like should not have been doing that. But I was. (laughs) And like, yeah, that's a problem, I think. Yeah, but I think Pam's still right, though. Like, yes, that is that is a good point, Chloe. But also, I'll use one of Laura's favorite phrases. Two things can be true. (laughs) They do want to indoctrinate. They want to get the kids hooked on Instagram so that they grow up on it and they'll never let it go. It's just like Apple probably secretly loves that young kids use iPhones when they're two because they'll be using them when they're 20 as well. They're all iPad kids, so they're already doing it. And like, that's a shame, too. And like. If you're one of those parents that isn't an iPad parent, like you're super proud of it. Like, I love that for you. But like, it's it's already happening. So the kid that I babysat, like she had it when she was like, I don't know, nine, ten. And there was just so many awkward pictures. I couldn't follow her because she posted constantly. <laughs> oh, this nine year old was posting. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And I just couldn't imagine when she's older looking back <laughs> Oh, Instagram came out when I was 14 and looking back, like they're all archived, obviously, but looking back, I'm like, I was going to say, can I like scroll through your feed and see 14 year old <laughs> Chloe? No, no, no. I deleted everything. You'll see some pictures when I was eight, from when I was 18, but like genuinely who said it was okay for 14 year olds to have Instagram and post like honestly thirst traps and Lord knows what else. Like I just, uh, because if, if, if your friends have it, you gotta be, you got to, that's Snapchat why too. Oh my God. Are you all okay? I guess we've kind of been touching on this already. Clearly, I don't like videos, but are you all okay with with video in Instagram? Has it felt like too much? I think my issue with it, just as like a normal person that really has no stake in this conversation, (laughs) because I'm not like trying to make money off of Instagram. But my issue with it is that it's never videos of people that I, I want, I am following already. It's always suggested posts. And I know you have this point about liking suggested posts in here. And I think the problem with what Instagram is trying to do is that they didn't inherently train us to like posts from people that we are not following already. It's not commonplace to do that. So it feels a little weird. It feels a little taboo. It's like, I don't know this person. And also, if you're thinking, I want to train my algorithm, maybe you don't want to like a post from somebody that you don't follow so that you hopefully get to see more posts from people oh. you do follow. And in contrast with TikTok, it was inherently ingrained into everybody that this was a community app. You you do more like I am on my for you page more than I'm on my follow a page on on TikTok. And I think that's by design. So you're constantly liking things from strangers and it's not a big deal. It doesn't feel weird. Definitely. I feel like even 
the people who follow me, when I post a video, it's harder to get them to like the post. I just don't think you're as programmed on Instagram to like it. You just kind of swipe because you know it videos from TikTok. And a lot of times you just swipe. Um, but what I don't like from the videos on Instagram is once you watch one, I feel like all it shows you are videos. Yeah. And yeah. they're all on loud. So it's just constant sound. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have some friends too that are like, are not on TikTok really. And it's so funny because they'll send me reels from Instagram and it'll be TikToks I saw I saw months ago and I'm it's like always yeah. like that uh-huh, that's so funny and I feel bad always being like I already saw that you know so I'll like call them the bone every once in a while call them out no it's because- always it's always like my mom <laughs> oh no it's not my mom it's just that you know as I think as you get older you stop being in touch with like pop culture and that's perfectly normal Pam I have so many feelings about this can't relate my whole life is pop culture like my job is literally pop culture so I don't know that life, but there is like three or four people I know that are like so gung ho about not getting TikTok. They're like, based on my principles, I'm not going to get TikTok. And then you're right. Two weeks after I saw this TikTok, <laughs> they send me the same video. And I'm like, oh, that's so crazy. I've already seen this. And it always has the TikTok watermark because the people that are uploading don't know to screen record. Yes. Well, no one knows that, Pam. That's like, that's a secret. I know. That's true. I went to the school of uh, Chloe Laverson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, Christine, you said like a video. There's so much video and you watch one and then it's a lot more video. I think they mm-hmm. made a change recently where they have the sound on, too in Instagram yeah. now because I always have my phone on mute like I'm never pumping out sound through it and now it's like forcing that which has been really annoying forcing the sound on that's why we have captions on our videos for people like you Andrew just just listen with well, no again, sound again there's this wild assumption at social media companies that everybody has nothing to do but sit there and watch videos with sound on that's not true and that's why captioning is so popular it's not just for the hearing impaired. It's really funny because I, I think I would have argued that four years ago, it would have made sense because most people were commuting. And so if you're taking public transportation, most likely you got your headphones on. It's not that big of a deal to be listening to a video because you're already wasting time trying to waste time while you get to where you're going. Now, a lot of us are not doing that. So it doesn't make sense. And I think that's why we've kind of started to see the rise in captions, because I think these companies know that most of us don't have time to stop what we're doing and listen to whatever the video is saying. So I'm like afraid to open it because yeah. I to open it and it just starts talking. Like, and also, oh. I know we're talking about like Instagram specifically, but I noticed that over on Twitter now, if you unmute one video, all the videos are unmuted until yes. you hit mute again which is so dumb like sometimes I just want to listen to one thing I don't want every video to play while I'm scrolling through my feed I also just like quickly want to say that everyone should listen to our videos out loud please (laughs) (laughs) and please like our videos they're very funny and they don't hit as hard when you can't hear Andrew Um, so yeah just me (laughs) okay you're giving me way too much credit I just said uh, I just said your name. I could say Pam's name. <laughs> okay, good. Yes. I don't think any videos that have like any comedy in them hit hard at all without the sound. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah. I mean, stories are different. You can watch them with captions on, but a video, if it's anything that you put together and didn't just, you know, it's not just like an announcement. You need to hear the sound. 
Catherine said in our Discord, I don't know how we accepted auto-playing videos as a society. <laughs> the thing is, Catherine, we were forced into it because publishers, advertisers love that auto-playing video because they can throw a million ads in it, whether you're actually watching that video or not. That's why we've been forced into auto-playing videos. I think you can say this now, but I like didn't Hypable get like a tiny little bit of kickback back from auto-playing in, uh, videos like for ads and stuff? Well, we had ads, yeah, in those auto-playing. Yeah, because like if you if the video runs, like even if it's on mute, it still kind of like gives you gives you a little something. Oh hell yeah, we're getting advertising revenue from that. Yeah, that's why you go to any website, news websites in particular, and you see those auto-playing videos. It's because the publisher's getting paid for those ads, whether or not you're staring at it, whether or not the sound is on. Doesn't matter if the sound's on. Hypable's still alive. The site still has auto-playing auto videos, with, videos with ads. <laughs> I yeah. would like that to stay live so that my archive can live on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like We have the ads and the site can stay live because it is still generating money. It's making thousands of dollars a day. I'm actually living on a yacht right now, thanks Fuck to that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm... I know. I know. So it's been a few weeks now since Instagram promised they would roll back their changes. Are we here seeing actual changes the changes that they promised i think i have been seeing more old friend posts in the last week or two and i assume this is related to the changes they've been making i'll see a post that's literally five days old at the top of my feed as soon as i refresh and i guess there's just no new content people are posting less so like oh crap uh uh here's something from last week that we don't <laughs> think you saw because you scrolled past it really quick the first time you saw it. like that's the only change i'm seeing right now i'm still seeing tons of suggested posts quite a bit of video probably the same amount but yeah it's, the only change i actually notice is slightly more friend posts but they're old friend posts i don't see any suggested posts because i turn it off uh, and then once you scroll through all your friends stuff, you start to see the suggested again. Wait, but... turn it off. How you mean? Yeah. How do you turn that off? You mute it for 30 days and then you just do it again when 30 days are up. I didn't even know you could do this. Wait, hold on. I didn't know that either. <laughs> it just click the little <laughs> yeah. dots. Oh, my God. This is life changing. I'm seeing this. Use all suggested <laughs> posts and feed for 30 days. Boom. Yeah. Done. It's amazing. Done. I guess it's on me that you didn't know about that. Sorry. In terms of like being a creator, though, and changes, I haven't seen anything change since it all of a sudden, I the engagement dropped so drastically from at like the very beginning of the year. All of a sudden, Instagram, the last frontier that I didn't worry about the algorithm on, all of a sudden hated me if I didn't post videos and it's just another job to be like, like to add on. You have to be creating video to stay relevant on Instagram. And this is why being an online creator is so stressful, whether it's you're a YouTuber, a TikToker. It's like you always have to stay abreast of the latest changes. And if you fall behind, you're going to be irrelevant. It's just like running a website, too, because Google is always changing their algorithms when it comes to search. And web publishers are affected by the social media algorithms, too, because Facebook used to be an amazing place for publishers to share links to their content. It would bring in a ton of traffic. But that hasn't been the case in like five, six years. It's all very stressful. But this all leads us into the next part of this discussion. We want to talk about how the changes are affecting creators and social media managers. Yeah, Christine, you touched on this a little bit. How do you find yourself adapting to all of the changes? Like, is it really stressful for you to 
continue to do that as somebody that is a smaller creator, like you're just basically managing your own brand, right? Yes. As any creator, like on YouTube, when you're a YouTuber, you're doing multiple jobs because, you know, you're scripting, you're filming, you're editing, just like any like freelance job. You're doing like 50 things. And then you have to do that now on every app to be relevant. You can't just do YouTube. You'd always, you always had to do like Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And now you have to and do TikTok. And I just constantly trying to keep up with all of them is so hard. And I can't imagine, like, I feel like everyone is experiencing the same thing. If you are in any multiple platforms, you're just constantly running, trying to stay relevant. Yeah. Well, not just relevant, but I'm sure it's an important source of income for you. And you're also using these channels to promote your books. You're an author. So like, this is also stressful in order to keep your life going. Yeah. So adding it to the author thing, because I wanted to be a writer this whole time. And I've been going through an existential crisis about not being able to post constantly on those socials for two years now. And when my second book came out, I hadn't been able to post as much. As soon as I handed it in, I was like, okay, I'll get on TikTok. What's what's TikTok? And every day I was like, (laughs) okay, you have to spend 10 minutes on TikTok so you can figure this out. Like what kind of content is doing well on there? What's trending? I still, when I'm not writing, I had to go dark this past month because I have a deadline September 1st. And so I'd have no idea what's trending. But as soon as I hand it in, I have to go full influencer to keep everything going. Because when you leave, the algorithm kind of says like, fuck you, bye. And you you come back to uh, everything not being promoted as much. So you have to come back and like work yourself back up and find what's trending, figure out how to get eyes back on your stuff so that it starts promoting you again to the people who follow you. So yeah, YouTube, I've been able to adapt through the years, but now that I'm also kind of doing full-time writing a lot of the year, it's much harder. So when I come back to it, I'm, I kind of strategize and I sit down and try to figure out like a slew of videos I can work on to try to get back into what's trending in that world. Chloe, how is it on your end? Because you are kind of facing the same issues, but you're also operating under multiple brands, right? In addition to probably branding yourself a little bit so people will sign up for your consulting. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you have to think about. Well, while Christine was thinking, like saying, you know, she's making sure that she is looking at trends. She has to post to all these different channels. Like she has to make sure, you know, she's keeping organized, also doing all these other things. Like being a social media manager means that you're an editor, you're a writer, you're (laughs) an influencer, you're like so many things a project manager, like social media managers have to be so organized. Like every social media manager I've worked with, they've been on the ball. If you're not on the ball, don't even try to be a social media manager. It's never going to work. It's really tough. And people don't recognize that. They're like, oh, I'm on social media, so I could do that. I'm like, could you? Try, please. (laughs) And the thing about what's happening in social media right now, which we're talking about, is that everything is changing so quickly. Like, you have to know what trends are happening. Like, honestly, trends, especially on TikTok, change every three days, I'd argue. Yeah, so quickly. So if you're not getting in on that right then, 
then sorry, it's not going to do well because you're late to the game. Um, The algorithms are changing all the time. Instagram's algorithm has been changing, it feels like, every two to three weeks. So you have to shift your strategy. You also have to be thinking about your audiences specifically, right? So like millennials' audience is slightly different than MuggleCast. And I work for a large nonprofit that has like, you know, over 100,000 followers across social channels. And like, all of our audiences are so different. So you have to like put a bunch of different hats on while you're doing social media. So honestly, if you're not like adapting, doing social media, you're doing something wrong. And the other thing I'll say is like a lot of people come into social media and they have like one viral post because they got lucky and then they start doing it full time and they realize that it is such a hard job to do. And also the other thing is like with social media and content creation and like, um, I'm, I'm like my own brand, obviously I like do some, some influencer stuff and I manage all these other brands and, um, I'm constantly working. I'm never, I never have an escape. Like my phone is my work. So there's also this like never ending cycle of, okay, well, if I'm watching a TikTok and then I realize, oh, that's a great trend to use for millennial. Let me send that to Pam. Like y'all get messages from me at all times because like it just pops in my head and I can't, you know, put it down. So I think, well, I think that I, I, I know I'm sure Andrew feels this way too. Like being in media, we kind of operate in a similar way. I, over the years, I have done, yeah, I have done a better job of figuring out like a schedule that works better. So I know that like from a certain amount of time, I'm turning off my phone for like turning off my phone for work related things um, just to keep like a healthier work life balance. But so much of journalism also is adapting. And I think that like, because I don't personally work in an office, so I cannot like pick people's brains. It's really helpful to have you know, people like you on our team, because if I don't understand how something is working, then at least I know that like you probably do. And I think that that is something that is is kind of like missing when you are your own boss sometimes because you are kind of floundering until you figure it out on your own. So, yeah. And there's new this new trend that you see and you know that there's a good joke to adapt to your audience there's this panic that sets in and me like i have to drop everything i've got to do this right now i get so lazy too because i'll see like that that the idea of what chloe was saying where like tiktok trends goes really fast sometimes i'll see like stitches that are really popping off for example and i think like i have a good answer for that but i'm so lazy i don't want to do it so that i don't but then but then like two weeks later i'm just thinking like i should have just done it because like that would be so good so i totally feel that and this is not even like my full like social media is not my full-time job so i i feel like the panic would set in more if it were i'm wondering for the both of you if you've uh, specifically heard from your well i use the word audience but i guess the better word is communities this is nice. what we've learned today on this episode. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to adapt <laughs> as we speak. Have you heard from your respective communities that your posts are less likely to show up on their feeds as a result of recent changes? Since I'm not posting as often on Instagram now because I'm still adapting to Instagram not liking my posts as much, I, it it hurts 
it burns when I post something and then it doesn't get to anyone. Like if it doesn't get a certain amount of likes in the first half an hour, I know it's not going to do well. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I, I just, what's wrong? You know, and I know logically it's not me, but you can't help but think like, why don't, what am I doing wrong? What, what, did, what changed? Why, why is no one engaged? Why is no one commenting? And so I won't post as much because it'll just get to me in this way that affects my mental health and then I can't be as productive. And so, yeah, it's harder to know. I mean, I know it must not be showing up in as many people's feeds. And I think it's if enough people don't like and comment in the first 30 minutes, then it's not being pushed to as many people. And I I see a huge difference if like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I got new author photos. And instead of just posting my new author photos, like help me pick one thousands of comments rolling in and it did it and it still didn't do as well as my posts used to do but it finally like got in that range and I knew I was like so relieved to see it moving but literally I had to have so many people commenting for that to be pushed there needs to be a call to action on every single post nowadays um because you need your followers to do that next step for it to be shown to anyone. So like even in my own Instagram, like I guess I didn't do this this last post, but I'm asking questions. Um, And on Millennial and MuggleCast, you'll notice in the comments or in the caption, I'm like, comment your favorite moment or, you know, this or that or whatever it is. Like I'm asking people to do something else. Um, because it, (laughs) because it affects genuinely, it affects engagement for sure. But people don't always want to answer the questions. Yeah, but people love to share their opinions. People love to tell you if they like it or not, or how they feel. So (laughs) as long as you get them hooked on a like initial thing, then that's important. Yeah. It depends on the juiciness of the question. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, though, like I've noticed it uh, definitely a shift in vanity numbers, which is followers and likes. Um, There's things that matter more on Instagram now, like saves and shares. Actually, that is way more important than likes and followers are. But people like to see likes and followers. Like I said, it's vanity numbers. That makes sense because like the my the tattoo artist who did my sunflower, she was hosting a giveaway and the two things that she said under her giveaway post was like, make sure to like, like to save and share for extra, an extra entry. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard like the the save part, but it must be something to do with trying to get more exposure. So yeah, well, I mean, shares, it's obvious, right? Like you're sharing to someone else, you're sharing to a story. Right, right. But like the save, it's like, mm, what about that? Because like nobody's looking at your bookmarks. It tells the algorithm, this person wants to come back to this post later. So in theory, it's a really good post. And thus other people might want to see this, what looks like might be a really good post. They're just looking for all these data signals to figure out what is actually good content. And there's signals like the like, like the comment, but then there's the one that's ones that go further, the share. I mean, the shares that has to be one of the biggest flags because that's like, I am compelled to share this with some other human being. That's a big deal if you do that. That's how podcasts spread. Yeah, they like when you're doing stories along with your posts too. Like if I have a active stories going, my posts will do better. And if you post stories every day, your stories start to do better. And I just, I don't want to be doing that every day. It's time consuming. <laughs> Yeah, it is distracting. This is another thing. It's like mental health. People are talking about mental health more and more. And that's great. And the social media networks, they have to really catch up. 
Christine, do you ever hear from, let's say, YouTube trying to look out for the mental health of every creator? Are you like, are you part of any creator programs where they reach out and like, hey, everybody remember to take care of yourselves? Because this is a real problem. People, as we're demonstrating here today, are killing themselves to try and get the numbers up. Yeah, no, YouTube doesn't care. YouTube <laughs> wants you to kill yourself. I like kill yourself doing YouTube videos. That's Honestly, sad. That's sad. That is such a quote. <laughs> <laughs> like, Honestly, to do to keep your channel moving on YouTube, you have to constantly be posting. I I posted every Tuesday for like seven years, and then I had to stop because or else I wouldn't be able to write books. I went down to one video a week because I was doing two to three, and then once I had solid deadlines all the time, I was like, I'm never going to finish this book if I'm working on a video constantly. So I like let it go, and then YouTube, you know, now YouTube's a roller coaster. I'll come back and try to build it back up and have like strategy and different videos. I had this after my book came out in 2019. I had this whole slew, this whole plan to get people. get the algorithm liking me again and it worked and it was great and then you're soaring again and then you have to take another break and then you just start all over again (laughs) uh yeah this is why i mentioned this a few months ago but this is why i enjoy podcasting because a lot of these podcast apps they don't have feeds that are dependent on certain signals these apps are just like here's the latest episodes of who you subscribe to enjoy and that's it (laughs) that's it and there is a discovery issue on on the podcast apps, and we hope that they fix that. But for those who are subscribed, it's very straightforward. Here's the latest episode. That episodes. That's how it should be on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, probably not TikTok. But they don't want to do that because they want to put more stuff in your feed, and that requires having this algorithmic feed to throw a bunch of stuff at you, and it just can't be in order. At least they think it can't be in order. With YouTube, they only push it to like 5% of your subscribers. And depending on how many people click on that in the first 30 minutes, they might push it to more. That's <laughs> insane. That's, what? Ugh. Yeah, it's so stressful. So that's why you have to like be ready on every single social media thing to be like, my video's up. Please go click. Ugh. Christine, I'm really glad that you actually brought up the pressure that you feel to keep up with the algorithm because... One of the things that I've seen as an ongoing discussion over on TikTok is authors talking about the pressure publishers are putting on them to make sure their books are going viral in spaces like BookTok. Obviously, BookTube has been big for a long time. So maybe you can speak to the contrast if there is a contrast between those two and how you market yourself on those two platforms. But I wanted to know if you yourself have felt the pressure to do everything you can to make sure your book title is trending in these spaces. Oh, yeah. So with my first book, it was before TikTok. Of course, it was I was started writing in 2016. And I knew that I wanted to get everyone excited about this book, like the second I started writing it. So I documented the whole journey. I did uh, like the writing chronicles, um, the book writing chronicles with like Stain May. And it was so much fun to be able to vent about the book writing process and share the whole thing with my audience. And by the time the book came out, everyone was really invested in the story since I've been talking about it for so long, so excitedly. So that was really easy to promote because I was already full-time YouTubing and I had so long to write the book because your first book, you can take as long as you want. Like until, you know, you 
you work on it until you're ready to go on. So you're ready to find an agent. You query, you find the agent, and the agent works on it with you usually. You do some edits with them before you go on submission. And then once you're on submission and the publisher buys it, then you start being on these hard deadlines. And even then, because I'd already done six drafts, it wasn't as intensive when I did the edits with the publisher so I could ke- still keep up my YouTube and like was promoting the book all the time. Uh, and then we did a book tour and it was all great and dandy. And my YouTube channel was super healthy because I was constantly posting and my Instagram was super healthy. I was posting a video. I'm not a video. I posted a picture on Instagram like every day for three years, like from 2016, 2017, 2018. I was posting all the time. And if I didn't have a picture to post, I'd post like a throwback. Remember throwback Thursdays? They're gone. (laughs) That's true. They are gone. No, not for us. (laughs) (laughs) Not for us. Oh, our followers love the nostalgia. Yeah. I love it too. Yeah. I I have so much fun with those posts, but nowadays, like you can't you can't bank on any of that doing well. Um, but for my second book, it was a completely different story because I had hard deadlines from the very beginning. So my first draft had a deadline, and I can only write when I'm in troll mode the first draft. So I have to be just like alone in a corner for a solid month, not working on anything else. And if I have to get it done in a short period of time. Because for again, but better, every night I'd write for an hour, (laughs) you know, and then the rest of the day would be YouTube. And um, I took a whole, you know, six months to write it. For Better Together, I wrote it all in like a three month span. And it was during the very beginning of quarantine. And I was posting, but like maybe once every two weeks or like once every three weeks. And then I the deadlines got shorter and shorter because it was supposed to come out a year from that time. And I I was posting videos less and less. And I was just didn't even know what TikTok was yet because I was too busy writing. And that's where I needed to be. You know, that's that's where everyone was headed during pandemic times. So my YouTube channel was still like I would say it wasn't sick. It was like medium. (laughs) (laughs) It was doing okay. Once it came out, it did okay, but it was like I wasn't going on book tour because pandemic, we couldn't go anywhere. It was a completely different thing because I was reaching the same audience that I always reach. So they had already pre-ordered the book. I didn't get to go places and be like, hey, here's my book. Like, look, I'm doing an event here and bring in the random people who maybe wouldn't have seen it. And all the events were live on, you know, the internet, but I could only promote it to so many people. And because my all my promotion did so well the first time around. My publisher thought that it was going to be the same deal. Like I would be able to reach as many people as last time, but because my socials weren't as healthy and I couldn't be on there all the time because I was full-time writing, it it wasn't the same. And I thought they knew that. Like I thought yeah, like, I was you would think they telling would. them that. Um, and especially since, you know, the book was coming out during a pandemic and I wasn't going to be able to go on tour and I kept trying to express... Like, what are we doing for marketing? And I just kind of trusted them. And I guess they didn't realize, they don't realize that like, I have to be able to full-time YouTube to keep that healthy and to keep the like the audience as big and the algorithm sending it out to us, such as like everyone that subscribes and all that stuff. So I'm kind of like, I'm re-strategizing for the next book so that like, if they are depending on me solely, <laughs> I'll be ready You're for ready it. this time. Yeah, that's really smart. And good for you for like 
dealing with that? Like, I would think, too, that that would be a publisher thing, not a you thing. Well, I I mean, I'm kind of surprised that I'm also not because I also know um, somebody else who writes and I saw them in the process of getting ready to publish their next book. They were like making their own art to post on Twitter about their book. It's like a virtual postcard that says like here's the name of my book it's coming out yeah. and like all this stuff and i'm just thinking to myself like you are with a major publisher how are, <laughs> how are they not doing this like you're literally asking us as like friends like oh do you guys like the colors of these or do you think i should go with this and it's just bananas to me that you know publishers wouldn't help you more and like hold your hand but on the flip side you know like with somebody like you who already comes with a bit of a built-in audience it is interesting that they like not that they shouldn't but that they put so much faith in that that they feel like they don't need to do anything at all you know because i'm sure it would be nice to have some help oh my god well that's the thing i need to so especially being on the internet so long after a while my audience started as middle schoolers and a lot of them are in college now so it's a different audience so many of them will tell me like oh my god i've been watching you since i was 11 or 12 and i'm just i feel very old but <laughs> i'm so like i'm so thankful that they're still here when i first got on tiktok and my first thing went like a little viral hordes of comments being like oh my god you were my religion when i was in middle school and like all this stuff that i'm like i've been here they're like where have you been i i've been here the whole time the algorithm just stopped presenting me to you, I guess, or maybe just sometimes, you know, you grow away from books and you stop watching and they'll come back when they have more time. I mean, you know, you go through phases. So I think also my publisher is under the impression that I have a younger audience. And that's why I keep pushing, like my audience wants to read stuff about people in their early twenties and they still consider themselves young adults. I considered my, I still am like, yeah, I'm a young adult. Like I said, so it's this constant battle to evolve and publishers are so slow to evolve and you have to, you have to stay on them. And I, I have to just continue to trust my gut when I, and speak up about that because with my second book, I feel like I kind of just put my trust in what they thought was going to work. And I was nervous, but I just went with it. And now I'm like, if I'm nervous, I'm going to say something. Good, (laughs) good. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting because, of course, the publishing industry is this very ancient Mm -hmm. form of media. And they're trying to get this ancient form. And I say that lovingly. Of course, I love books. Yeah. Uh, But they're trying to get this ancient form of media out on social media. And I could see why that would be very challenging, especially in the age of TikTok and short form uh, entertainment where it's just like you're asking somebody to commit six, 10, however many hours to read a book when everybody is so accustomed these days to a five second TikTok video. During the pandemic, I, I feel so I sorry for any debuts that happened during the pandemic because I just it's so hard to get yourself in front of a new audience from an online standpoint. But all I could think that day was like, what other TikTok should I make? What other thing can I make? Because all I can do is stay home and make things. So it's this constant panic of like, I have to do self promo forever, constantly on every single social platform. I feel this too. But like, do you ever feel guilty when you're not working since you're at home and you have time? Because I feel that way too. It's like, oh, I could be working right now which is psycho always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why it's important. Like we've spoken about it before to try and set boundaries. Like maybe you have a room that's just 
the only place where you work. You don't work anywhere else. Or, you, you know, try to go for a hot girl walk. I've learned so much about Gen Z hot girl walks from this podcast. I same. It's been. Are you flirting with me? I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> oh Literally. my god! I've, I'm like, should I be taking notes every time you speak about Gen Z things? <laughs> Chloe is on top. Definitely of it. not. There's a lot of things that you should absolutely not listen to that I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christine, you've kind of been teasing us about this um, upcoming book that you are currently working on. Is there anything you can actually tell us about the book that's not super hush hush? Because we don't want to get you trouble i feel like there's not much yet because i i'm working on the first draft still and it's not done yet so when it's in such an early stage i feel like anything can shift still it's not gonna have better in the title because it's so confusing that my first book's called again but better and the second one's called better together (laughs) and i did not want to call it better together my editor was like i think it's cute it's like your brand and i was like everyone's gonna think it's a sequel (laughs) and better together is too normal like i you see it everywhere i wanted something weird and still catchy and i i sent a list of like 50 alternate titles over (laughs) and it was all kind of a marketing issue because there are two sisters so a lot of them were like sister related and the romance and it is it has two romance lines going in it but and romance sells much better so they're like we don't want sister in the title we don't we want it to sound romantic and we ended up with better together the first title that i like was my just you know, placeholder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so interesting and so great having you on. I mean, I see your books all the time when I'm in Barnes and Noble. I go through the YA section and I'm like, there's Christine's book. No way. That's so cool. cool. It's very <laughs> neat to, to know somebody who uh, has a book that's just always hanging out in Barnes and Noble. I love it. Well, we've covered a lot today and so interesting to hear what it's like to be an author this year. So thank you for sharing all that as well. It sounds like a big struggle, like it is being I'm a sorry. YouTuber. I, it's no. also great. I'm glad that I, that I get to do it. I mean to come out negative there. No, no, no. I, I, I totally get it. Like as fellow online creators, we certainly understand where you're coming from. And I know the publishing industry is not easy either. So genuinely, thank you for for sharing all that and for being honest, because I think it's very it's very interesting for people to hear hear that, you know, too often you hear the good things about anything. I was going to say, I think it's a very real thing to be um, like to be so transparent about turning your passion into a career or a viable source of income, because I think that we're all really lucky to be doing things that we love and it's great that we get paid to do that, but there are downsides too. And so I I really hope that hearing this helps other people, especially as we're moving into the age of a lot of people trying to reprioritize their life and figure out how to do more things that they love instead of just sitting in an office all day. Well, just to clarify, I feel very blessed to be doing what I'm doing. And I love it. Like I love when I do get to make TikTok videos. I'm just always feeling guilty about which job I should be prioritizing. Yeah, absolutely. Your books are Again But Better. That's the first one. Your first book and your second book was Better Together, just published a little over a year ago. And where else can people find you online? Well, you can find me on YouTube 
Poland bananas books? Is Poland like the country bananas like the fruit books like the things you read? I'm very bad for branding. I'm different on almost every platform. I feel like um, <laughs> I'm at Xteen. Oh, well, no, actually everything else is at Xteen by now. So like Christine with an X, Xteen May. That's me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. But when Facebook was a thing, I'm like, I'm CMR Productions on Facebook. Like I used to have <laughs> like a three different things I would that were completely different. But Poland Bananas Books is the weird one now. Okay. So we'll have links in our show notes so people can easily follow you and, and check out we'll the books from the show notes. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Chloe will be all over Thank the tagging. Thank you for having me. Sitch. Yeah, so great to have you. Thank you for listening to the show. And actually, you support us on Patreon too, which is amazing. Of course. We really appreciate that. Christine's a, a real fan of the show. So we're deeply grateful. We were obsessing over one another at the top. The show is my favorite. I tell everyone about it. Oh, <laughs> thank you. We appreciate that. So nice. And actually, Christine's going to hang around with us for After Dark today. We're going to extend the discussion that we've been having today by discussing the evolving acceptance over certain types of goods and lifestyles as the public becomes more concerned about the environment and equality, etc. Case in point, there's been a lot of talk about private jets recently and uh, the usage of the jets by celebrities and if why are they still bragging about using them on social media. And we're going to talk about some other backlash we've seen, whether it's other types of influencers, is what they share evolving as people start realizing that a lot of stuff that we used to promote and brag about actually isn't very good for the environment. That'll be at patreon.com slash millennial today. We appreciate everybody's support. That is what keeps us from stressing out about the future of the podcast. We can rely on that support instead of having to worry about influencers and click-through rates and saved posts Maybe and you. likes and all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad you worry about the social media numbers, <laughs> Chloe. Though I just have to say, we're not saying to Chloe, you better get us 20 new followers no, by Thursday not or else. All. Not we have all. never held a gun to your head when it comes to engagement. That's the level. The first jump is right there. <laughs> I was looking at our, our numbers on our reels the other day. Like some of these videos have done well, like 24,000 views on a video that you. Pam does really well. Of course, Pam does really well. 7,000. Do I really? You specifically, boo. You do really well on our channel. She's uh she's hot on our channel. Yeah, actually, we got a, a spicy comment about you. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, no, don't show me. <laughs> I'm so awkward. I don't want to see it. Some guy was like, nice face. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Show more face. True. So true, though. I guess it's better than like show more boob or something. (laughs) I was actually worried about with like the last TikTok that you asked me to do. I was like this. Uh, like I recorded one and I was oh, like, Oh, you look sexy. You did. So that I switched to another dress. Oh, so. okay. Well, you look sexy anyway. I'm going to start showing cleavage. Please do. Please do a really deep V. I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Time for some recommendations. I want to recommend this is a bit of a money saving hack. I think I've mentioned it before, but I do it all the time. So I wanted to bring it up again. If you ever download an app, And it's like, oh, hey, you want to start a free trial? You can get two weeks free. And you hit yes, right? And then the way that they get you is you forget to eventually cancel the trial. 
So I recommend canceling the trial as soon as you sign up for it. That way you don't have to worry about it later. This has probably saved me a lot of money over the years. Apple makes it very easy to cancel subscriptions. You you commit to that subscription, then you go into settings on your phone and you go to subscriptions, I think, or you click your iCloud account first and then subscriptions. And then you can see what's active and then just cancel it right there. And the thing is, you'll still get that trial during the trial period. And then at the end of the trial, you just won't be paying for it. What are you laughing at, Chloe? <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because all your recommendations are so effing abstract, like abstract. That's good. She doesn't know what to clip for the art, Andrew. Oh. I just put in the chat, I just said, why can't he just pick a fucking movie? <laughs> He's like, Andrew's like, uh, ask for more leg room in a plane. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> How do I visualize that on social media? I can't. When I have, I'm to, sorry. When I have to put, no, it's it's fine. I, I get creative. I do fine. But when I have to put Andrew first with the recommendations, I'm like, oh Lord, here we go again. Okay, so every time I do something abstract from now on, I'm also going to recommend a movie. No, How's no, that sound? No, keep, <laughs> keep being you, boo. And I also recommend Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Not better call I'm Saul. trying to do some unique things. I'm just, yeah, or that. I'm fucking with you. I'll do it anyway. It just cracks me up every time. It's like every episode. <laughs> Pam, what is your recommendation? I I do actually have something that will be easy to clip for socials. <laughs> I would like a re- I would like to recommend the new A League of Their Own series over on Prime Video. Uh, this is like I hate to say that it's based on the movie, but it kind of like loosely is. But it doesn't really follow the same storyline because uh, it centers on a whole new crew of Rockford Peaches, which is the women's baseball team in the original movie. And this is a whole new cast of characters. It is female forward. Abby Jacobson of Broad City fame is kind of spearheading the creative side of this behind the scenes. But she also stars in it as well. Um, so, yeah, lots of... Um, uh, different storylines containing uh, pertaining to different women from all walks of life. Uh, it's just very good. And it's also very gay, which I feel like yes. more <laughs> sh- like promotion should be leading with that. So I please just go check out the show. It's delightful. And I think it deserves some more love because a lot of people are shitting on it for the gay angle, specifically in what? the ratings. And I would love to see it get some more hype. The so original was homoerotic too. Come on. Yeah, but this is like next level. You know, like they're actually going for it, which is great, like as they should. I am recommending Palomino by Miranda Lambert. I have been listening to it on repeat and I put in the doc and I'll just say it out loud. Like I'm I'm like single for the first time in a year and a half and bitter and listening to this album is getting me through it. So if you are also single and bitter, by all means, listen to it with me. Christine, what is your recommendation? My recommendation is a show that I just started watching on Peacock, and I haven't really uh, found a Peacock show that's caught my attention yet, but I was on Rotten Tomatoes and I saw the name of the show, and it's called The Resort, and I don't know if you've if any of you are Lost fans or you like a mystery. There's a kind of missing persons mystery at this resort on some random island and the guy who plays Chidi from The Good Place is one of the leads and the other lead is the lady who plays the mother on How I Met Your Mother. Um, She's also in Modern Love. 
And yeah, I'm addicted to it. The, the mystery is this couple that is on their like 10 year anniversary trip, but they're about they're they're not in a good place and they get hooked trying to solve this mystery and it's kind of reinvigorated their marriage. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. This sounds like that uh who done it mystery on HBO last year. Uh White, oh, yeah, White Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. Yeah, it has some of those vibes, but there's another you're seeing the storyline of the missing people too. So oh. you're flipping back and forth. Okay. Which I really love. And Ron Swanson is uh, one of the characters in the other timeline. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, nice. That's a reason to watch. Ron Swanson is also in A League of Their Own. So we coordinated this oh, recommendation nice. very well. Is it weird that I think he's hot? No. Yeah, that's weird. I shouldn't say that. Right? No, it's fine. <laughs> Got some daddy. Hot dad. <laughs> hot dad energy. My type. Hot dad. <laughs> yes. A DILF. DILF energy. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> So, okay, cool. Well, thank you again, Christine. It was so nice having you on. A couple other reminders before we wrap up. Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Smash that subscribe button. Hit that <laughs> bell so you never you get a notification. Ah! And uh, leave us a review. Contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com, or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And also, of course, follow us on social media. Do Chloe it. Do it. Needs to hit uh, 10 new followers in the next week or she's fired. <laughs> Millennial Show on Instagram, tr- Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Andrew has already fired me like... four times and i've also said you can never leave like eight times so it's a rocky feels like a rocky toxic relationship in my personal opinion enemies to lovers to enemies make up your mind andrew do you want me here or not no i'm so in love (laughs) with all of the hosts and both shows yeah we have have to fire me like for real to get rid of me (laughs) (laughs) thank you everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm pamela i'm chloe i'm christine Woo!